0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy Father's Day uh, for you, fathers. I was actually I was actually told by a young woman who will be named unnamed. She's not here today. She's working at camp, and she's my daughter. <laughs> she was very upset that the dads get snickers and the moms get roses for Mother's Day, and I said, well, if you can convince the mothers, we'll buy them Milky Ways or Snickers too, but from my understanding, moms like the roses and the guys love the Snickers rather than the pens, right? So all the dads, after the service, you can get a Snickers. (laughs) Somebody will be back there, so don't leave without getting a Snickers bar. If you have to leave early, I'm not going to tell you where they're at because then the kids are all going to go early, right? Yeah, it's just now. I'm sorry. Don't leave early so you can get a Snickers bar. Um, uh, And then if there's any left over, which I think there will be, then all the boys can have one too. But all the dads need to have one, except for Jordan. You don't get anything, Jordan. Sorry. You're too excited about getting a Snickers bar. (laughs) So happy Father's Day. Hopefully you have a good relaxing day and that uh, you are spoiled by your family. Um, If you have yet to text or call, or speak to your father and say, Happy Father's Day, and you're able to, go ahead and do that this afternoon. No, I haven't done it yet, but I have an excuse. My dad understands. I've got Sunday morning stuff, so I will call him this afternoon and talk to him then. All right, so second Samuel, we're almost done. We've got two or three weeks left. Uh, today is a little bit different than normal. We've been working through narrative and telling stories, and now we have a psalm. Uh, a psalm of David. And really, what this psalm is getting at the heart at. We only read the first seven verses, and we're going to read the rest of it here in <clears throat> excuse me, a couple minutes. But really, this is what David is asking. Who are you? Like you, me, us. Who are we? Who are we when no one is watching? Or maybe a better question, or a more pointed question is... Who are you when you know that God is the only one who sees you? What would people say about your character? That's really what it ultimately comes down to. Now, this is not the character I think the world talks about. This is godly character. If you are a believer in Christ, if you are a child of God, if He is your King, if He is your Lord, if He is your Savior, if He is your God, and you proclaim that, then who are you in your life? 2 Samuel 22, David sings a song that glorifies God for delivering Him from all of His enemies. But if you take a what we would call a 30,000-foot look at it. In other words, we, let, you know, we can get down and we can study the words and we should do that, but when you take a step back and you look at the psalm or the chapter as a whole, the big picture of this psalm, this 30,000-foot level, it reveals to us something about character, both God's character and David's character. So who is this God that we worship? Who is David in relationship to God? How does God's character drive him to act in David's life? And what effect does God's character have on then how David reacts to life? So, with that in mind, we're not going to get too much into a lot of specifics because there's a lot of really good stuff, as always. But if you have your Bibles, your Bible app, turn to 2 Samuel 22, Albert already read verses 1 through 7, and I'm going to pick it up on verse 8, and we're going to read it all the way through 51. I heard a little giggle there. We're going to read it all the way through. It is all the Word of God, right? Tech, Well, maybe I should say Technically, I could just read it, and we could go home, and that would be enough, but you didn't hear me say that. All right, verse 8. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he, that is God, was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and pouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals came forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him, his canopy, thick clouds, a a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, that is David's enemies, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were laid bare, at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of his nost- of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all... Of His rules were before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him. I kept myself from guilt, and the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem tortuous. You save a humbled people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hand for war so that my arm can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness made me great." You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was no one to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and, and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock. And be exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me. Who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Who is God? God is a rock. He is unmovable, always solid, a firm foundation for any who trust in him. God is a fortress and a refuge. Those who seek him find safety, they find defense and peace from their enemies. God is a deliverer, one who frees and liberates those who seek ill of, from those who seek ill of us. He is a shield, protecting those Who seek refuge in him. The arrows of the enemy have no effect on him. He is a horn of salvation, and a horn is a symbol of strength. And so he is the one who is strong enough to save his people. He is worthy to be praised and honored. He is perfect, and all his words are always true. He is a light in the darkness, he is lightning lighting the path ahead of those who love him. He is strong and secure, a teacher, gentle, a place of security and a firm foundation. He fights for his people against their enemies. This is David's God, and this is our God. He is who he is, and he will never, ever, ever change that is God's character but what about David's who is David David is God's anointed he's a man after God's own heart or a man of God's own choosing those are straight from the words of uh, mouth of God himself but here in chapter 22 David describes himself in a way that let's let's be real Seems a bit arrogant, right? Seems a bit off base. Starting in verse 21, David says that God dealt with and rewarded him according to his righteousness and the cleanness of his hands. Now, if you have been with us through Second Samuel over the past 12 chapters, we would be hard-pressed to describe David as righteous and a man of clean hands. After all, he committed sexual immorality with Bathsheba. He murdered her husband to cover up his sin. And he failed to lead his children in godly wisdom. So how could David say such things about himself? Because these sins, and these are the old, these are only the ones that we know about. These sins, as egregious as they are Do not define David. And he knows it. David is far from perfect or sinless. In fact, one could make the argument that he was just as sinful as his predecessor, Saul. But the big difference between the two of them is that David had a repentant heart, he knew he was sinful before the Lord. He knew he was far from perfect, but he also knew to whom he belonged. He was God's chosen and anointed king. And when David's sin was revealed, he turned to his rock, his fortress and his deliverer, his refuge and his shield, his horn of salvation. When the world was falling apart around him and he's fleeing for his life, he did not turn to horses and chariots. He did not even turn to his own authority as king. He turned to his God. He put his trust in Yahweh, in the Lord. Now, originally, I thought about at this point going, well, let's look at what God did But I'm switching those, so we're going to look at David's actions first. After he describes God's character in the first few verses of this chapter, David tells us why he was in such great need. He describes what his enemies were doing to him as waves of death, torrents of destruction, cords of Sheol, that is cords of the land of the dead that are drawing him down to Sheol, destruction, snares of death. It's not a a pretty picture. This is not like he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. His life is in danger. Everyone, it seems, around him wants to kill him. This kingdom that he was the king of is slipping out of his hands. He's in the midst of distress with nowhere to turn except to God. In my distress, he says in verse 7, in my distress I called upon the Lord, to my God I called. One whose heart is self-reliant and self-sufficient turns inward. What do I need to do to make today better? But David turns upward. He knows that he belongs to God, and so he cries out to God, Help me. I have nowhere to turn, God, but you. Hear me. Save me. Help me. And God hears him. God hears him. How how can David have such confidence that God would hear him, especially after all the sinful acts that he had done? Well, it's because he knew the character of his God. Yes, David sinned, but that does not mean that he abandoned God. To use the popular vernacular today, he did not deconstruct his faith. Instead, he went to the source of God's revelation. He says he went went to God's rules. He went to his statutes. He went to his ways that were written upon David's heart. He went to his law, God's law. He went, in other words, he went to what we would call the Bible. He went to God's written word, and he remembers what God said in his law. He kept the way of the Lord not wickedly departing from God or turning aside from his statutes, but diving even deeper into the truth of God's character. He sinned egregiously, horribly. He murdered a man. But instead of saying, well, I'm right. I was right in doing this. He repented and he dove into God's character. He dove into God himself and into his word. David knew that God would hear him because God hears those who truly seek refuge in him, whose hearts are truly repentant, who trust in him instead of themselves or in the world around them. David was not righteous because he was a perfect man. He was righteous because he belonged to and loved Yahweh. His righteousness, his goodness, David's righteousness and David's goodness was defined not by him but by his God. God's righteousness, God's goodness. He had clean hands not because he was sinless but because God had cleansed him from all his sins. There's two massive, different opposing views. And so when the going gets rough, our true character is revealed. For David, he acted out of his character, a righteous, humble, and repentant heart because he knew that God would act out of his character. When David sought refuge in God, god honored him by acting against david's enemies god became angry i mean he, he says god became angry and the whole description of the darkness and the thunder and the fire coming from his nostrils okay god is not a dragon there's no it's not it's describing the power and the presence of god coming down from heaven god coming from heaven to meet david where he was to fight for david and utterly destroy and consume his enemies and david knows that david goes yeah i defeated my enemies but only because god defeated them for me this is god doing this god became angry for what had been done to his anointed king he came down from heaven in terrible power a devouring fire, a voice that makes the heavens and the earth shake and reel, and he routed David's enemies. He drew David out and rescued him, which is evoking the the imagery of Moses being drawn out of the water of the Nile in order to save God's people. David's enemies were too strong for him, he says, and so the Lord rescued him. Not because David was sinless, but because God delighted in him. There's a difference. He acted on David's behalf because he delighted in David's repentant and humble heart that trusted in the Lord and not himself. And when you when we realize that and then we go back and we read through from Bathsheba all the way to now, we reread those chapters, you see that. David is saying, God is going to fight for me. I'll do what I have to do, but my trust and my strength are found in him. God delivered David because David belonged to God. In other words, God is who he is. God acted out of his own character. And he cannot and will not do anything other than rescue those who seek, truly seek refuge in him. Now, there are two lessons that I see in this psalm. First, just as God saved David, David, and ultimately he saved his people because he delighted in David, so God saves us as his people because he delights in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true anointed king. And if we are God's people, he is our Lord. Christ is our savior. Christ is our king in whom we strive to obey and to love and to serve. We are servants and slaves of him and not of this world or not of ourselves. At Christ's baptism, the Father spoke from heaven saying in Matthew chapter 3, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He delighted in Christ. God the Father delighted in Christ the Son so that we as his people might be saved. And in his good pleasure, God's good pleasure, we who seek refuge in christ we who truly trust and follow christ are saved from our enemies of sin and death who are too powerful for us well let's even go for it satan is too powerful for us the world our own hearts they are too powerful for us but not for God. He saves those who seek refuge in him not because of our righteousness and our cleanness of hands, but because God saves those who trust him, those who belong to him, because he can do nothing else. Second, God's people are to, be pra- are to praise him For who he is. We see this in the last two verses. And I'll read them again. This is David at the conclusion. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. And sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king. And shows steadfast love to his anointed. To David and his offspring forever. The opening words of verse 50 speak volumes. If you come on Monday nights, you hear me say, These, this is a connecting word that word for it points to something it's a causal statement I don't know if that's a real English thing, but that's that's what I call it it causes it points it points to something that has caused something else and in this case, David's praise is caused by, by what comes before and what comes before in verse four 46 or 47 through 49, the Lord lives and blessed be the rock, my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies, who exalted me above those who rose against me, who delivered me from men of violence. David's praise is caused by God's deliverance of him. David sings praises to the Lord because it was the Lord who fought for him and saved him. David praises God for who he is. A rock, a deliverer, a savior out of, a savior who pulls him out of the grasp of his enemies a God who is always trustworthy. And it's that last one, his trustworthiness, God's trustworthiness that really stands out the most in this psalm because in verse 51, David is proclaiming, ultimately, the covenant promises which God made to him way back in chapter 7, long before the incident with Bathsheba. In his covenant with David, God says this. It's says 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. He says to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, you shall come who, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God says here, you're gonna die an old man, and I'm gonna raise your son up after you, who's gonna build the temple, and worship me now immediately that's Solomon in the immediate context but that and we looked at that in, in chapter 7 that actually points forward to Christ who builds the temple of the Lord us his people to worship and to praise him and to glorify him that through Christ his kingdom is established forever see God is a God who keeps his word When all seems lost, when the kingdom seemed taken away from David's hands, David remembered the covenantal words of God and he found refuge and peace. He knew that God would never break his covenant promises to him. Now, he didn't know how that was going to all work out. And in the moment, you can imagine, he's fleeing for his life going, wait, I thought you said that my kingdom would be established forever. I mean, that's what would be going through my mind. And yet, Here's David trusting, trusting in the Lord. David knew that God would never break his covenant promises to him. And so he praises and honors and worships God because God is worthy to be praised. As his people, Today we gather regularly on Sunday mornings to worship and praise God for who He is, for who He has revealed Himself to be, that through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, God made a new covenant with us as His people, that if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You hear that wording? David was righteous, a man of clean hands. If we believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, defeating our great enemies of sin and death and Satan, God will make us his. Can we say life is hard? Unless you're a young kid, although maybe a young kid would say life is hard because, you know, I'm not getting my way. And maybe you're an adult saying, hey, life is hard because I'm not getting my way. Adults are just like kids. We just learn to, you know, hold it in and say it in our minds and not actually through our mouths. Life is hard. And that's that's beyond the fact that like, oh, man, I had to get up this morning. and Or this is broken in the house and I got to get it fixed. Or... My friend is mad at me. My sister-in-law was just diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 45. Alex Peterson's father suddenly passed away last week from a heart attack. He was 66. Healthy. No signs. Many of you know Jane Carlson. She... And her husband, Jim, attended pre-COVID. She has no immune system, so she can't attend Sunday morning, which just breaks her heart. Got a text yesterday she was just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Where do we turn? And That's just that's the tip of the iceberg. That it's not including other people in, in our midst who are dealing with health issues, surgeries, Where do we turn in in times like that? Who do we cry out to in these moments? As his people, David reminds us that we need to turn to the one who is our refuge and our salvation. He is our fortress and shield when the enemy is attacking. He is our peace when the waves of death encompass us. We need to run to the one who is always true and always good and always right. We cry out to him in our distress. We cry out to him in our sinfulness. And we praise him among the nations. Why? Because we worship a God who is worthy to be praised. This is our God. He is who He is and He will never change. And who we are as God's people is determined not by our sinlessness and our righteousness, but His. That is who we are. This is why David sings a hymn of praise to to Yahweh. And this is why we worship Him on Sunday mornings. We don't mind, as the leadership of Elm Creek, preferences. But let's be true. We're not here to worship you or me. This is not about you and this is not about me. This is about him. Preferences will come and go, but our God is forever. And Sunday morning is a preparation time for us, a reminder for us as God's people, because we're going to walk out of this building and we're going to have life smack us right in the face. And it's a reminder, I belong to God. Whatever may happen, no matter how cranky I get, no matter what my boss says, no matter what my friends say, no matter what happens at school or at work, in any time of my life, to be reminded, I belong to God. This is why we worship Him not just in good times. We worship Him in the midst of the storms when the cords of Sheol are grabbing us and dragging us down and we have nowhere to turn. We turn to Him because He has promised that even should death take us, we who belong to Him, we will wake up Staring Jesus Christ in the face. Nothing, if we belong to him, nothing will remove us from his love given to us through his son. Because that's who God is. That's who he is. And so we worship him. And so we worship Him. Father, I pray, I ask that when life bears down upon us this week or even right at this moment, we think of those who are suffering. We think of those who are going to be suffering in the week to come and the months to come and years to come when we encounter pain and sorrow, even even the sorrow of our own sin against you as your people, that we lean not into our righteousness, not into our cleanness of hands, but into you, and that the nations, the people around us, God, would see we belong to you, and we worship you, that when this world is falling apart and is changing left and right, you remain the same. You are who you are. And the God that we read about in your word is the same God that we praise and we worship and we glorify because you are worthy of our praise. Help us, Father, as your people to not become bogged down, to be overwhelmed, to be distracted and to forget who we belong to, but that, Father, we would run to you as our refuge. We would seek you as our fortress, knowing that you will come down from heaven and you will destroy our enemies and you have through your son, Father. Strengthen us, encourage us, and remind us, God, we ask this in your name. Amen.